0: got time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to get into our Bible study. Before we do, Mon's going to bring you another quiz, a question for the quiz. What have you got for us there, Mon?
1: Hopefully one I can pronounce. Okay. <clears throat> here we go. <laughs> what word was used to test whether people were truly Ephraimites? Oh,
0: for- Are you... <laughs> DJ <laughs> Shell, have you seen
1: the words on this... <laughs> Why are you doing this to me?
0: <laughs> I have this funny feeling, Ron, that um, that during the song break you may have wandered out of the studio briefly. You guys during are which such time, punks. During which time the question may have changed.
1: Oh. Have, do you know what? Do you know what? My excuse is I'm having COVID brain fog, and that's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. All right, let me try. Let me try here, ladies and gentlemen. gentlemen. How
0: many weeks since you had COVID? You're only allowed to claim this for a month. I'm still within the month. You're still within? Okay, I'm, right. I'm
1: entering my third week. Third oh, we're going
0: to have so much fun. <laughs> we're going to have okay. so much fun while you're on radio. Okay. Got COVID brain fog. <laughs> I remember when Lawson had so much COVID brain. I remember when I had COVID brain fog on air. It was it's pretty terrible. Wild. Right? It was pretty wild.
1: Okay, I'm going to try and just butcher my way through this multiple choice options. I'm I'm so sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not sure I can pronounce any of these four words. Okay, let me start over. Which word was used to test whether people were truly Ephraimites? Was it a Shibboleth? Was it B <laughs> <laughs> Ichabod? <laughs> Was it C? Jehoshaphat. Did I get that right? Yeah, you got that one right. You
0: got that one right. You got one right, Was it
1: Serpa. D? Meshibbisibbisifs. <laughs> Please take that away All from me. Alright,
0: so so A. Shibboleth. <laughs> B. Ichabod. Uh, C. Jehoshaphat. D. Meshibbisifs. <laughs> Meshib- <laughs> Meshib- <laughs> Meshib-
1: I think right, we should give our people. Like, anyone who calls it an ANZUS gets like a bonus. I thought it was
0: Mephibosheth.
1: A bonus for pronouncing it correctly. Someone's,
0: someone's actually written this wrong. It's supposed to be oh, Mephibosheth. There you go. It's, it's not be, my fault. I'm not dumb. It's supposed to be Mephibosheth, but that's been written as Mephibosheth, and that's not right. Mephibosheth.
1: <laughs> oh, goodness I know me. This one.
0: Okay, so which word was used to test whether people were truly Ephraimites? Shibboleth, Ichabod, Jehoshaphat,
1: I can't even tell if they're right or wrong when you say them. Like, it could be either way.
0: <laughs> give I'll, us a call. And by the way, those are not all dudes.
1: I'll, are some of them places or are some of them women? Is that what you're saying?
0: Uh, I'm not saying anything. Okay, fine. I'm saying that I think there's only two dudes on the list.
1: Ah, okay. Well, that, that doesn't really make anything clearer, does it? <laughs>
0: Probably not. Probably not.
1: Okay, all right. Uh, give us a call, 0491
0: all right, it's time to get into our text messages. Find out what you had to say in the first half of the show. It's interesting, we've got a bit of controversy here this morning. Ooh. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, all right, let's start here and we'll go This is
1: my favourite part of the show, is the it? text messages, yeah. I'm so bummed that we didn't do this when I used to do the show every day. Okay. All
0: right, sorry to hear about Lawson's accident. Wish him a quick recovery. Tell him we will miss him. Okay, so for those of you who are wondering why Mon is here, Lawson uh, predictably played basketball last night and this time has really wrecked his ankle Mm -hmm. uh, very thoroughly, hence he can't walk or drive and is not here. He's moonbooted. He's moonbooted, so... That's what's happening with Lawson, and uh, if you would like to send him a message, tell him to let him know that he's missed. I'm Here's sure his he personal
1: would... number. He <laughs> would
0: he would love to hear from you. Just shoot us a text message here on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and we will pass it on. Okay, so this one, "In God We Trust" posters, I'm all for it. Oh, only because we have for the last few decades has been in God We Hate. I appreciate the repercussions of union and church and state. Unfortunately, we all know this will happen. A poster will not shape or form, force anyone to believe. It takes more than that to change the heart of people. Soon the whole world will be forced to keep Sunday as the day of worship. Good news, it only means Jesus is coming. We tend to forget that the school system in America was actually started by Christians and primarily to teach the Bible. Look at it now. Okay, so there's a couple of things here. There's a couple of interesting things here that I will um, comment on. Mm. The first one is that, yeah, I don't see this as being the end of the world. Mm -hmm. But as I did say, it is a slippery slope where I think we are standing on the very edge of the precipice with one foot hanging over the edge of Union of Church and State and that... The precedent that it sets is unhealthy. And I think as I read through this text message, you know, this person is pointing out the fact that union of church and state must happen before the return of Christ and that this is a sign that Jesus is coming back. And from that perspective, you can always say that a sign of the time is good news. Mm. You Mm -hmm. can say that, you know, wars, rumours, wars, famines, Mm. pestilences, earthquakes are good news because it means that Jesus is coming back soon. Amen. All right. Uh, continuing on the next one here, the idea of, of fighting in sport between men and women is so is to totally cross the line.
1: Yeah, agree.
0: I suppose it all started when they placed women in the front line of military war positions. Not to say they can't do it, but it was another way for the New World Order to make women more like men. Cannon fodder. In the Bible, there was only one woman that went to war to fight, and that was Deborah, a charismatic military leader, a prophet, and the only female judge. Yeah, she was... She was... She was, she was, special. A really wild individual. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and the crazy thing about that battle was that it was won by Deborah and Jael.
1: Yeah, that's. Who right. was also a woman. Mm-hmm.
0: Two mm-hmm. women were really, really featured in that, and so you know you've got a precedent there.
1: There are other women in the Bible who went to war, but not from like our team, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Lots of baddies.
0: Yes, a number yeah. of baddies for sure. And I think what you've got here is a, a, there's definitely a biblical precedent for women going to war. That cannot be questioned. The the, 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 the issue here is do we do this for sport? Yeah. Do we go to war for sport? No. Uh, no, just no. All right, let's continue on. Let's see here. Uh, though I do not agree with the signs being forced. Okay, so, so here we've got the so someone says they're all for it, someone says no. It also reminds me of when Constantine baptised his army. You know how Constantine baptised his army?
1: Did he march them through the river or something? Yeah, he
0: marched them through the river. When they came out the other side, he said, you're all Christians. And he wasn't. He didn't go through the river. He he didn't become a Christian. He just well, made it the state religion.
1: Yeah. No, one, no Convincing no one really, right?
0: Yeah, no. <clears throat> um, there is a very strong possibility he became a Christian on his deathbed. But once again, it's one of those things that happened a very long time ago and do we really know?
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Uh, Though I do not agree with the signs being forced, it also reminds me Oh, yeah, we read that one. Uh, But yes, the world is ripe to introduce forced belief. Uh, Then another one here says, Praise the Lord, the final days are upon us, and I pray we are able to witness to the world. Amen. Mm. And then finally, uh, regarding... This is one from Janelle, regarding the boxing, it's also to help support the business basis of the sport there are more competitors if they can have transgender athletes allowed to compete i would say there are more watchers mm. because if you've got a transgender athlete if you've got a biological male fighting a female there's going to be a special group of people who would just want to watch that
1: yes yeah, i would boycott that by not watching it
0: yeah absolutely yeah. and this is what we need to do more and more <clears> is that we you know if we want to see change in these areas it's it's going to be liability and ratings that will cause the change.
1: Do you know? what I'd love to see. I'd love to see a podium. Like you know how they have the the three different la- um, heights for the gold, mm. bronze, and the silver. I'd love to see like if it was a a transgender winner accepting the gold. I'd love to see someone like one of the other athletes whip out a homemade gold medal and just walk up and like put that over the neck of the the, the female silver medalist and sort of make a little statement that she was the real winner. She's the first female winner and therefore she's a real, real actual winner of a female category.
0: That would be controversial. I'd
1: love to see that. That would melt the world of sports. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it certainly would. It certainly would. Okay. Any mom, athletes
1: listening, there's is, a hot tip for task. you. This is your task. This is your task. Become an
0: athlete. <laughs> uh, become an athlete or be, you only have to Infiltrate. be close enough. That's or true. You have to be just That's standing true. close enough to be able to walk up with that thing in your hand. Yeah. Anyone and,
1: know of any sporting events coming up?
0: <laughs> and you know that because of normality bias, if you're standing there close... Mm-hmm. They're going to see you walking up and they're going to freak out like, what the heck is she doing? But they're not going to necessarily just jump in and tackle you to the ground because of normalcy bias.
1: Right, exactly.
0: They're going to be like, what on earth? And you'd have that thing hung around her neck before anything happened and it would be just global news. It would.
1: I'll do it. I'm going to do it. You set me up with an appointment. I'll do it. I'll turn (laughs) up. I'll even bring a bunch of flowers, gold medal and a bunch of
0: flowers. There you go. All right. So we're about to get into our Bible study. We're looking at a story from the book of Joshua today, Joshua chapter 5. So let's start turning in our Bibles over to Joshua chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 13.
1: You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
0: Okay, so I'm talking about COVID brain fog.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, you've heard the expression painting yourself into a corner? Yes. Have you ever actually done this? You know, painted the floor? And then got to the corner and realised that uh, you are stuck.
1: No, I did it with a mop, though, like when you're mopping the floor, mopped myself into a corner. Mopped yeah. yourself into a corner? One time, the first time I ever mopped. <laughs> <laughs> figured out from there.
0: Yes, that is uh, school.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you? I feel like
0: maybe you have. <laughs> I'm not painted myself. I don't know. I've not painted myself into a corner that I can remember. I'm not sure whether I've mopped myself into a corner. <laughs> I have, I have, I'm, I'm sure there are things, and, and it's just not coming to mind right now where I've gone, where I've done something equally silly and gone, and now I'm stuck.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It's just not coming to mind right now. I'll have to think about it a little bit easier. <laughs> All right. So sometimes our faith seems to paint us into a corner. We arrive at a situation, and it's a little bit like the wet paint on the floor where our faith, Traps us. Let's think about that for a moment. We look at the situation and either we have to reject God, faith, and everything we believe in, or our faith compels us to believe in what appears impossible. If you're standing in a corner and you have painted yourself into a corner, so think about that. Mm-hmm. How are you getting out without walking in the wet paint?
1: You either have to wait a long time or you just go wreck the paint. Yes. Or you're gonna call your friend to bring a crane and cherry pick you off the floor, and <laughs> do it like they do in the Bible. Take some um, roof tiles off the top of the thing, and then like climb out the roof. Yeah, instead of being how lowered you, in, then, you, get then, how you gonna, out. then
0: how are you going to finish that corner, painting that corner
1: with a, a long handled brush? <laughs> I don't know. Why.
0: A piece of rope dangling from the ceiling. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think you're stuck. You're going to have to do some damage if you if you paint yourself. Okay, the but the
0: reality is, is that if if your faith paints you into a corner. Mm. and you find yourself in that corner where I, I, I can either deny God and go out that way or I can't see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's a different kettle of fish, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's like a testing of your faith.
0: It's not like you can sit there and try and just decide, well, maybe I'll wait this out for the yeah. next 24 hours.
1: <laughs> you can't wait for the paint to dry. All
0: right, uh, so we look at the situation. <laughs> uh, we? So, so God, brought, God God brought the Israelites into such a corner after they had been in the wilderness for 40 years. He did not lead them to empty, peaceful grasslands. He led them to one of the most strongly fortified cities in the entire area, otherwise known as the city of Jericho. Now, did you know that Jericho is supposedly according to archaeologists, the oldest walled city in the world. Really? Yes. And not only is it the oldest walled city in the world, and I'm sure there are other ones out there that just have not been excavated yet that are equally as old, uh, but it had very, very advanced fortifications, which is kind of what leads me to believe that there were fortified cities before this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, for instance, they had a revetment around the bottom of the walls. You know what that's for?
1: To stabilize the wall.
0: Yes it stabilizes the wall but the other thing that does it even more importantly is that it means that because it, it creates an angle at the bottom mm-hmm. it means that when you hit that wall with a battering ram the battering ram bounces oh, up
1: slides up yeah
0: slides up mm-hmm. rather than actually getting being able to get good purchase on the wall to be able to smash it down and so the israelites <laughs> come to the jordan river the jordan river is in full flood they can't get across it and on the other side is the single most powerful city that they are going to be forced to take at any point in their conquest. This it's is... Exciting. Sorry? It's exciting. Yeah, but it'd be also very daunting. This is what, you know, the the, the 12 spies went across and saw and they're like, yeah, no, nah, we can't do this.
1: Oh, that's what they were looking at when they lost faith. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. All this, right. Was, this was... this So this? this is like legendary for them. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: They saw this city and they saw giants... Mm-hmm. Uh, the sons of Anak. And between those two things, they're like, nah, we're done. Let's just let's go back to Egypt.
1: Yeah, wow. And, and now they're here at the doorstep.
0: Uh huh. You know, it's interesting when you think about the Israelites and they're wandering in the wilderness, and there's like maybe 17 times where they want to go back to Egypt. Like, take us back to Egypt. Why would you bring us out here to die? Egypt would have been very tempting to them, particularly after the Red Sea crossing. Because after the Red Sea crossing, Egypt had no army. Their entire army was at the bottom yeah. of the Red Sea. You could have gone back there and just lived in, in pleasure and luxury in Egypt and just taken over and turned the Egyptians into slaves and uh, it would have been very, very tempting. The Hyksos went in there and they just sort of took over without having to fight a battle.
1: I never thought about it that way. I always thought they wanted to return to slavery, but when you think about it, they're pretty, yeah, like...
0: Why are we here in slave? the desert when we mm-hmm. could be in Egypt?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see what you mean, yep.
0: You know, if God is so powerful that He can part the Red Sea, then why doesn't He just give us Egypt?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Egypt was nice; it had leeks cucumbers. and cucumbers, <laughs> and all kinds of things that they're talking about. Whereas, anyway, they come to this particular—they've been in the wilderness for forty years. They come to this particular situation, and God says, "Yeah, we're not going to start with uh, you know this easy area over here. We're going to start with Jericho. Mm. Let, let's let's start there. Oof,
1: rough. they have been nervous."
0: Okay, so then what does God say? God says march around the city and they do so for six days and on the seventh God says, tells them to shout. Let's read about it in Joshua chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 13.
1: When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I'm at your command Joshua said what do you want your servant to do the commander of the lord's army replied take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy and Joshua did as he told as it was told
0: okay so who has he met here
1: the commander of the lord's army
0: and who might that be
1: like an It's either an angel or it's just Jesus himself. It's just Jesus. Yeah. yeah. When
0: the Bible says take off your feet because you're standing on holy ground. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ah, That's That's what happened when Moses Moses came to the burning bush, right? Mm -hmm. So it was Jesus in the burning bush and now it's Jesus again. But this time Jesus appears like a warrior.
1: Mm. Sword in hand. Yes. Yeah.
0: And you can kind of imagine uh, you've got Joshua here and he's gone out to do a bit of scouting, as you do. He's he's the general. He's going to scout the place, find out the lay of the land. You're out there doing your thing and suddenly you come across an armed man with a drawn sword, you're instantly at a disadvantage because if he is within 23 feet, he can kill you before you can get your sword out of its sheath.
1: Oh, wow, okay.
0: A 23-foot rule. And so that's a bit threatening. So he immediately asks, like, Are you one of ours or one of theirs? Because he's not sure he doesn't recognize this person. Of course, there's a lot of people in the camp of Israel. And you're not going to recognize every one of your warriors. And Jesus turns around and says, no, I'm captain of the Lord's host. Yeah, wow. You know, you've know, you got your host down there, your army down there. You've got the, the armies of Jericho inside Jericho. Uh, but there's another army here that you are unaware of or unseeing. And I'm actually in charge of that one. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you how to take the city of Jericho. And you can imagine here at this particular point that Joshua is expecting, okay, he's going to come up with some great engineering um, that we can do to maybe undermine the walls or uh, batter the walls down or something like this. He could be coming up with some kind of plan to lay siege to it and starve them out. You know, standard practices in those days to be able to take a city... And the captain of the Lord's host says, I just want you to march around it for six days and on the seventh day march around it seven times and then shout.
1: Yeah, just go for a walk.
0: Now, as a warrior, as a, strat- a strategist, that doesn't really sound like much of a strategy, does it?
1: It sounds like you just wear your own soldiers
0: out while everyone else is watching. Yeah, and kind of make a fool out of yourself. Mm-hmm. Going to freak the Jer- Jerichoites out a little bit, I think. <laughs> yeah. Like, What are they doing? Um, that would be a little bit concerning. But they'd be inside their city and they've got the greatest walls probably in existence in the world at that particular time, certainly uh, some of the oldest ones. Okay, so let's keep reading in Chapter 6.
1: Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the Ark, each carrying a ram's horn.
0: Okay, whoa, 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 So who leads the army? (coughs) It doesn't say. The elite special forces? No, there's priests.
1: Oh, priests, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah, priests march ahead, yep, with the Ark. Yes. And a ram's horn.
0: yes. So they're not even being he's not even being led the, the, this uh, this expedition is not even being led by his his special forces. Yeah. His elite soldiers, <laughs> his warriors. Yeah, so like, "Nah, send the priests out there, you know, they wear a white robe." That's their it's all they got. And they carry the ark. Yeah, well. Yeah, similar to the power of God. All right. If this is going to be an interesting story we're going to look more in detail at. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're into our Bible study. Before we go any further, we've got a quiz question coming up with hopefully a whole bunch of big words in it to do Mon's head in. <laughs> Tell me we've got big words here, Mon.
1: Nip. Nope. Ah! <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> no. Okay. It's having so much fun. Quiz number five. In Ezekiel 11, God says he will take this kind of heart out and give them a heart of flesh. Mm. Fleshy heart. Okay. In Ezekiel eleven, God says He will take this kind of heart out and give them a heart of flesh. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Tell us what kind of heart.
0: Okay, and of course, don't forget that there is an amazing Mark, uh, a Bible to to win with Mark Finley, uh, Bible study helps in it. Yeah,
1: and a whole beautiful. bunch
0: of other resources as well. So that's a leather bound Bible. It is a very very nice one. That's what you go in to win this time around. And if you don't have a, it's a King James Version, I believe, if you don't have a King James Version, then add this to your collection. If you don't have a Bible, then definitely you want to be winning this one. And if you know somebody who needs a nice Bible, mm-hmm. then nice this gift. would be a great gift to win. So you've got to be in it to win it. So... Uh start sending your messages, your answers through right now. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call. Text message here from Sherry. She says, Hope Lawson recovers well. I have a feeling that these injuries Lawson keeps having are messages. Maybe time to coach. <laughs> love <it>. Coach
1: Lawson. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I think I did suggest chess earlier, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, awesome. let's get back into our Bible study We've got the Israelites, where are we up to? What verse did we get up to in chapter 6? Uh, I
1: think we got up to verse 4, uh,
0: no, 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 verse 5 Verse 5, so they've been told to march around the city six times uh, Once each day, or six, and then seven times on the last day Let's, uh, let's pick up where we were where we left off
1: Okay, on the seventh day you are to march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave the orders to the people, march around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, and the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns, and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the Ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests again carried the Ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horn marched in front of the Ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priest with the horns and behind the archangel. Okay, so they were
0: actually in the middle, they weren't leading. Yeah.
1: yeah. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they marched again around the town and
0: once... <laughs> oh, you can stop there because you're going to go on the second day and on the third day and on the fourth day. Do it for s- and on the sixth days, yeah. Okay, so let's think about this for a moment because you might initially say, well, this is no big deal. However, this actually is a really big deal and I'm going to explain why you need to understand ancient military warfare to understand why this is a big deal and why this was a terrible idea for the Israelites to be doing this.
1: Come across really creepy, silently marching around.
0: Oh, yeah, it would freak. It's such a great psychological operation yeah. oh, against 100%. the Jerichoites. Uh-huh. Uh, however, when a siege was laid, it was basically a battle of supply. The way oh. that the way that sieges worked was this. Who has the most supply, the people inside the city or the people outside the city? So you've got a large army outside the city. Obviously it's going to consume all of the supplies in the nearby region and they will lay siege to the city whenever they can... Uh, maintain supply. When they run out of supply, then the siege is over and they have to leave to be able to not starve to death. Mm -hmm. And supply is one of the the single greatest strategic uh, considerations when you're going to war. How are you going to maintain supply? And where are your supply lines going to go and where are they going to extend to? And so you know, the ancients had a very clear understanding. This is why the Romans, when they attacked Jerusalem in 70 AD, attacked at Passover time because there was so many extra people in the city, they attacked then so that when they laid siege to it, the supply inside the city would run out so much faster.
1: Oh, clever. Yes. Horrible but clever.
0: Horrible but clever, but they understood this whole principle. Now, typically... In a siege situation such as this one, the army outside has to supply itself and they can sort of, you know, figure out, okay, we're in a fairly fertile area. This is the Jordan Valley. We can probably suffi- supply an army for X amount of time. The problem is that the Israelites didn't have that option. And the reason they didn't have that option is because they weren't just an army, they were a nation. Mm. They weren't just supplying the army, they had to supply the women and children as well. And no one in ancient times took the women and children when they went on a military campaign. But the Israelites have because they've come in out of the desert and they haven't left their wives and families and children in the desert. They have come as a people. And so this is a very, very unique situation that you find here. And so the fighting men are going to make up a small proportion of the actual total number. And while they might look at it and say, okay, we've got enough supply here, and we don't know whether they did or not, to be able to withstand, say, a seven-month siege or so forth to take the city of Jericho and outlast the Jerichoites, there's no no formula in the ancient world ever anywhere where you're going to have supply that's going to last long enough to supply for the entire congregation. Mm. And so for the Israelites, they have to take Jericho, And they have to take it straight away. They have no option. And it is the most fortified city that there is. And moreover, strategically, they can't leave it in their rear. The way that, the way that any army is ever defeated is when it is surrounded. Because this moment, the moment an army is surrounded, supply is cut off and there is no line of retreat. And that's when they all lay down their arms and give up. So if they bypass Jericho, they automatically surround themselves. They cut off their supply lines that go back to the other side of the Jordan. They cut off any line of retreat and they are defeated. So they have to take Jericho and they have to take it fast and it is a fortress. This is a castle. This is not just you know, a strong city. And so by marching around it day after day, as we've been reading here, they do the same thing every day. They're actually doing nothing except exhausting their own supply. And you can imagine you know, Joshua as a general here, he is watching those supplies diminishing every day while nothing happens and every day that you do nothing. They are in a situation where they need to assault this city and they need to take it immediately. The problem with assaulting a fortification, any fortification, even in modern-day battlefields, the assaulter is going to lose um, warriors at a ratio of three to one. So you're going to lose three to take one inside the fortification simply because they're in a defensive position, they're dug in, whatever it might be, and those odds are even greater in ancient warfare where you have cities and city walls. And so so strategically they are painted into a corner and every day that they do this, you can just imagine the tension that is rising in Joshua's mind. It's like... We need to be assaulting the city. We need to be taking the city. We can't afford to be using up our supply. We're going to run out of supply and have to retreat every day that is going by. But Joshua is a man of faith. He has met with Jesus Christ. And you know what all of the other soldiers are thinking. You know what all of the other leaders are thinking. And Joshua is like, no, we move ahead here by faith, which is why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30, by faith. The walls of Jericho fell down after they were surrounded for seven days. And that's exactly what happened. They painted themselves into a corner. God painted the back out. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is the Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We're going to have some answers for our quiz questions. This will be fun.
1: Oh, please help me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so who warned Pilate to have nothing to do with Jesus? It was his wife. Uh, the four Gospels were um, that was written, which of the four Gospels was written to Theopolis? Theophilus. It well, uh, was Luke, the, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, which of the four, along with Alexander, did Paul hand over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme? Was Hymenaeus. Hi- Hymenaeus. That's in First Timothy one twenty. Which word was used to test whether the people were truly Uh Was a Shibboleth. Thank you. And in Ezekiel eleven, God says He will take this kind of heart out and give them a heart of flesh. He's going to be taking out your stony, stony. heart.
0: Yeah. So it makes you get pronunciation yeah, correct thanks. on stone there. Thanks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just never know with me. Okay.
0: All right, those are the answers right there. Hopefully, you did well this morning. It is now time for. Question of the day.
1: All right, question of the day today is uh, from Deuteronomy 14.26. Do you have an answer for why God is telling them to buy strong drink here, obviously to drink and enjoy?
0: Well, maybe not obviously. Deuteronomy 14.26, this is what it says. You shall bestow that money for whatever your soul lusteth, lusteth after. That's a King James Version. In other words, whatever your soul desires, for oxen, for sheep, for wine, or for strong drink, or for whatsoever your soul desires, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your household. So that's a little bit confusing.
1: It is rather. It sounds like that they
0: were going to drink strong drink. Mm -hmm. Interesting how they differentiate between wine and strong drink, alcohol and grape juice in the context of that verse. Okay, so we need a little bit of context to clarify the thought of the writer. And that comes from verse 22, where it is clearly talking about the second tithe. You shall truly tithe all your increase. The first tithe had been specifically allotted to the Levites. That's Numbers 18, verse 21 to 24. Some of this tithe was to be given to the strangers and the widows. Uh, You find that Deuteronomy 14, 29 and then also in Deuteronomy 26, 12 to 15. Okay, so in verse 23 of this passage, the Bible says that God told the Israelites to journey to the place that he would designate, and that became obviously where the temple was, and present the tithe to him there. No doubt at the tabernacle, uh, in verse 24 and 25, they were permitted to change the corn, the cattle, etc., into the equivalent cash. If the way was too long to travel with the produce, okay. So if you don't want to travel with, you know, a bunch of cows and so forth, you could turn it into gold or silver and take it in that form. And then when you got there, you could turn it back into cattle or whatever it might be. So you could use the cash to to travel. Okay. So in verse twenty six, God gave instruction for the money to be turned back into an offering for him. So it gets turned back into an offering for him. That's what's important here. After reaching the holy place, but instead of prescribing the exact offering, he told them that they could present whatever they desired. So this was, you know, this was a free will offering, a free will offering in which you can choose what you want to offer. And then he lists some things that they could uh, that they could share right here. So some people get confused by listing strong drink uh, among the other offerings that were permitted, but this is what's important. This wine, the strong drink, the alcoholic wine, was not to be drunk. It was to be poured out as an offering to the Lord. This is described in Numbers 28 and verse 7. In the holy place, you shall cause the strong wine to be poured out unto the Lord for a drink offering. So here's here's what we've got taking place in verse 26. You shall bestow the money for whatever your soul desires, lusteth after desires, uh, for sheep or for wine or for strong drink, etc. And then it goes on and it says, "And you shall eat there before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice you and your household." In other words, here's what was to happen: You're in the tribe of Dan. That's a long way away from Jerusalem, where the temple is. You have uh, sheep, you have oxen, you have you know various other things for an offering in the temple. It's too hard to travel that distance with all of that you know, with all of those animals, so you turn it into gold or silver, put it in your pocket, walk down to Jerusalem, a couple hundred kilometres where the temple is, and then you buy some cattle, you buy some sheep, you buy whatever it is that you desire to make as an offering. And the, one of the key thoughts here is, is about things that you desire, things that you want, things that things that, are, that your soul lusts after. And then those things that your soul lusts after, you make as an offering, as a sacrifice to oh. God. And so if you're somebody who has a problem with alcohol, if you're somebody who has a problem with lusting after alcohol, you buy it and you pour it out. It's a way of showing sacrifice. It's a way of showing surrender. It's a way of showing uh, that I have nothing to do with this. And this is one of the important things that you find in other symbols of sin because there are other symbols of sin. Like the Bible says, don't eat the fat. It says don't drink alcohol. It also says don't eat fat. But it does say that when you offer an offering, a burnt offering, you cut the fat out and you burn the offering on the altar because what that is a symbol of, it is a symbol of getting rid of sin. Pouring out alcohol on the ground is a symbol of getting rid of sin. There is nowhere in this passage that says that this alcohol was to be drunk. It was only ever to be poured out. This is you surrendering your sin, surrendering your temptations, and giving it to God. So there's a rather lengthy explanation this morning. But anyway. St. Lawson has texted through with a photo of his boot. Oh, he's a little moon booty. He's got his moon boot.
1: Wow, oh, poor little sausage.
0: Yeah. So, if you want to send Lawson the message of condolences for having wrecked his foot, then send them through here. We will pass them on 0491064669. But right now, we've come to the end of the show. Reminder to stay tuned to Faith FM because coming on right up after the breakfast show is going to be Tazy Encounters with Jason Cook and Tabitha. What's Tabitha's last name? She's got a new one. I don't know what it is. Sorry. Zachariah. Tabitha Zachariah. Okay, Jason Cook and Tabitha Zachariah will be joining the Faith FM team here as soon as we finish on The Breakfast Show as you go through this day. Of course, Mon, what are we going to remind everybody to remember?
1: Uh, talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow stronger in Jesus Christ. Woo! God of hold you with the sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet till we meet again Jesus. God be
0: with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-80-Faith FM.